We are continuing uh, today in our study in the book of Acts. Um, this particular series that we are in is called To Be Continued. And the idea is that we are understanding what God has called us into is not our work, but it truly is uh, the work of Jesus. It's what he began, and it is the mission uh, that he gave to the church at, as it was birthed in uh, the book of Acts. We understand that Acts 1.8 talks about the mission that is given to us, that we are to be uh, his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But in order to do that, uh, we need the Holy Spirit to empower us for the mission. And so that's what we saw in the beginning of Acts, is that the Holy Spirit showed up and gave power to accomplish that which Jesus had given to the early church. But the people in the early church, they needed to position themselves so that they then could be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Not only were they to wait there in Jerusalem, but there were some things that they needed to do to devote themselves to so that the Holy Spirit can, can continue to empower their ministry. And so we're going to jump into those uh, today. Um, we've seen some of these themes already displayed in Acts. Um, the unstoppable advance of the gospel from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This theme that we're working out now, this week, and in the weeks to come, is the idea of Jesus' work continued. And so in order for us, us to do Jesus' mission, in order for us to do what he's asked us to do, in order to continue what he's asked us to do, we need to devote ourselves to some principles and some things in our lives that position us in order for us to live for him. And so that's what this is all about. And we're talking today uh, about fellowship and what it means for us to come together and understand um, what, what true fellowship is all about. The spirit of love that is poured into our hearts as we love one another. That's what the Spirit of God is given to us for, is for us to love one another in this idea of fellowship. So we're going to look at biblical fellowship today and try to understand what that means as it's something that we should be devoting ourselves then to. Um, I'm going to read for us today. I'm the scripture reader this morning, so I'm going to invite myself uh, to read this morning and, uh, and then jump into God's Word um, here together. Uh, before we do, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we get to be people of your word. I pray that in these moments that all other voices um, that would seek to distract, even the voice of our own flesh, Father, would be silenced. That we would hear from you and that we would listen and we would obey. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Amen. Acts 2, verses 42 through 47 says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and had all things in common, and they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. And broke bread from house to house. They ate their food and with joyful, with, with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Also, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. I will dwell and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be 
my people. In the aftermath of 9-11, we see a a town in Newfoundland called Gardner that accepts people that have been stranded because planes have been landed, and there's a new mass of people that are there in this Gardner community that are being accepted as people that they're going to be hospitable to and loving to. You may have seen it in the musical Come From Away. It was a musical that reflected this true story of what it meant for a, a small village in Newfoundland just to, just to love people and to care for people, be hospitable towards people. But it wasn't just community for community's sake. And we see this within the, the musical itself. The whole idea of this acceptance and this hospitality and this community that was given to to others was so that they could be reunited with their loved ones who they are now separated from. There is a point to the community. There is a point to the hospitality. There's a point to the fellowship. There's a, a mission behind it for them to find community and loved ones themselves. And so as we come to today's text, we start to unpack something that you may be familiar with, but I want us to see it through a missional lens, because we talk about community a lot. We talk about maybe this idea of fellowship a lot. Matter of fact, I would say the number one reason why people come to church is to find community, to find fellowship. But what I see here in Acts 2 is something a little bit deeper than just simply community or simply fellowship. What I see here is an idea of mission that fellowship then exists in. And we see this truth as we open up Acts chapter 2, verse 42, thinking about this idea of fellowship. It says this, our devotion to Jesus' mission is evident in our fellowship, how we love one another, how we build community, how we build fellowship says a lot about what we believe about the mission of Jesus and our devotion to it. Uh, We see this term fellowship in verse 42, this idea of what it means for them to come together and to, to be devoted to fellowship. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. If you know any Greek words, you might know this one, uh, because it's one of those Greek words that is often quoted in church. It's this idea of koinonia. That's the Greek word here for fellowship. It's actually used multiple times throughout the New Testament, but this is the only time that it's used in the book of Acts. And as it's used here, there is a missional understanding of this koinonia, of this fellowship. And so I want to give you uh, this definition to hold on to as a framework for what we're talking about when we talk about being devoted to fellowship. Here's the definition for missional koinonia, a loving fellowship in Christ. That results from the call of God and is sustained by the Holy Spirit for Jesus' mission. Now that is power packed. (laughs) 
That's a little bit more than just fellowship over coffee and, and donuts, right? That's a little bit more here than, than what we see when it comes to a, a missional koinonia. This, this idea of being together because the, the Trinity is involved. That, that God has called us into this himself, this, this oneness that we have, this fellowship that we have. And it's a fellowship that we share with Jesus, and we're going to unpack that today. It's in Christ. It's because of what he has done for us on the cross that we have this fellowship. But it is sustained then also by the Holy Spirit. You see the Trinity at work in this missional koinonia, and all of it is for the mission of Jesus. We come together. We are one. We are family. We are living life in fellowship because of the mission of Jesus. Our devotion to Jesus' mission is evident in our fellowship. C.S. Lewis famously said, Friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. However, when it comes to biblical fellowship, biblical koinonia, it goes beyond this moment of recognition, and it centers itself around the profound statement, Jesus too. He is not the only one. He is not the only one that is living for his mission. It is us as well. We are with him in this, and that's what our fellowship is then all about. This is not something that the early churches came up with on their own. These, this devotion to, to fellowship. It's not a good idea that someone just kicked around and thought, you know what we should do as a church? We should love one another. We should be in fellowship with one another. We should, we should want to be around one another. And we should use that for, for the mission of Jesus. That wasn't something that they just came up with. It's something that Jesus was already doing and what he called them to. We see this in John's gospel in chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus says, to his disciples, I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. He set the stakes pretty high, didn't he? He says, don't, don't just love how you want to love. No, love how others how I have loved you. Jesus, he, he starts this ministry by, by loving the disciples. And now here we see at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes, what they are devoting themselves to is a love like Jesus. They're continuing the work of Jesus, being devoted then to one another in the same way that Jesus loved them. Jesus he goes out of his way for us time and time again. That's what his life is about. Him coming after us, loving us, even when we were unlovable, Jesus came after us. In the same way that Jesus loves us, we should love one another. But we have to be honest with ourselves this morning. I have to be honest about how, how far too many times we fail to love each other like Jesus loved. Matter of fact, what happens far too often is, is that we end up hurting one another. What happens is we begin to think about ourselves and focus on 
who we are and put us at the center of the mission. And therefore, when, when others aren't thinking about us correctly or when others do things towards us, we begin to become bitter and we share pain with one another. There's a problem that needs to be addressed in some of this if you're like me. We are self-centered and destructive towards one another. Left to our own, we are self-centered and destructive towards one another. Maybe you've experienced this in church, in a place that's supposed to be about koinonia, about a, a, a biblical missional fellowship. Instead, maybe what you have experienced far too often in, in church is, is pain and, and destruction as we become self-centered and not thinking about the other. What's interesting is in verse 44, um, Luke continues this idea of koinonia, this fellowship, but he uses a different word in, in verse 44 of Acts chapter 2 um, when, he, when he's talking about this idea of fellowship. He says, now all the believers were together and had all things in common. The word that he uses here in common is koine. It's a, it's a different word than koinonia. And when you look at this particular word, it's only used 14 times in the New Testament, 10 of which are used in the negative. Those negative things that we share with one another. And, that, and that's kind of what happens when we aren't focused on Jesus, we aren't living for Christ, when we, when we put ourselves at the middle of it all, what we can share with one another is a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of destruction, because it becomes all about ourselves. We see this in Genesis chapter 3, don't we? I'll just tell you the story real quick. We, we see Adam and Eve, they have disobeyed God. They've decided to, to make their own rules, choose their own ways, put themselves at the center. And what happens in the midst of, of that is we, we see destruction in their relationship, their relationship with each other and their relationship with God. And what that leads to is shame. Immediately they recognize that they aren't wearing any clothes and they are in shame about it. It also le leads to it leads to pointing fingers, blame. Well, they made me do it, or the serpent made me do it. There's this pointing of fingers, there's this blame that, that now comes out of destruction. And there's also isolation. They hide from God. They want nothing to do with him. They don't want to be found by him. They are in fear and isolated as they are alone. This happens for us. When, when we pass pain around in our fellowship, we, we experience this shame, we experience th this blame, we experience isolation. It's a problem because it actually strikes at the heart of what koinonia is supposed to be and it impacts the mission that Jesus has called us into. But there is hope right? Jesus himself does the work for us of restoring us to one another. And he does that as he goes to the cross. And here's what the gospel says. In order to have right fellowship with one another, 
We need to have right fellowship with Jesus. I read this earlier, but let's pick back up on uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And I'm going to start actually a little bit earlier than what our slides have, but um, you can listen to me and then it'll pick back up on our slides. Uh, Here we have Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And he's talking about not having partnership with those that don't know Jesus, with, with the world, those who do not believe. But he's speaking into the partnership that needs to happen between fellow believers. Don't become partners with those who do not believe. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? What agreement does Christ have with Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said. And this is what God says, I will dwell and walk among them. And I will be their God, and they will be my people. This is what our God has done for us through Jesus. He has established a new identity for us that is found in community with him and with his church. That's why this warning exists. We, we aren't identifying ourselves within some type of unity with the world. No, we are identifying ourselves in unity with one another. And that has happened because we have been rescued by Jesus. He has made a way for us to be right with God. And in doing so, he brings us in right fellowship with one another. He says, I will be their God and they will be my people. They will will be known as my people. That's what the cross has done for us. That's what God has called us into, is for us to live together. And the only way that we can live together in a, a right fellowship is if we have a right fellowship then with God. I want to invite you, if you've never put your faith in Christ, this church thing is never going to feel right for you if you don't. This is something that is born out of the cross. You you will not have a right fellowship with anyone in this church in the way that you want it unless you put your faith in Christ. This was born out of what he has done for us. The fellowship that we have is because of what he has done for us. And how we treat one another, how we love one another, it says so much about the cross and what Jesus has done for us. So what is our response to these things, to the gospel and how it answers the problem for us? How are we to live in light of this? It's this, we accomplish Jesus's mission through a Christ-centered, mission-focused fellowship. I've read this verse for you many times, and I'll continue to read it because it's what our church is named after, John 17, verse 21. Uh, and it says, this is Jesus praying in the guard before he is to go to the cross, before he is to is restore our fellowship with him and with one another. He prays this, may they all be one as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us so the world may believe that you sent me. Our fellowship, our biblical missional 
koinonia is all about mission. So that the world may believe that you sent me. That's what it's about. It matters how we treat one another because there's a dying world that does not know Jesus. And how we treat one another matters. Our unity matters. Our oneness matters. Our fellowship, it matters. For the mission of Jesus, it matters. I want to invite you to, to see your relationships with one another through this lens that Jesus prayed for you to be one as he and the Father are one so that the world may believe that he is sent. Our oneness is about the mission. May we see fellowship through a missional lens. We also see John 13, verse 35. I read verse 34 with you earlier, um, but I want to read verse 35. This is saying, you should love others the way that I have loved you. You should love one another the way that I have loved you. By this love, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's our identity. Who we are is wrapped up in our fellowship, our koinonia with one another, our love for one another. The way that the world will know who Jesus is, is by our love for one another. Our identity, us as disciples, as, as witnesses, is wrapped up in this love for one another. May we be people that truly are about God's mission because we live in fellowship, in a loving fellowship with him and with one another. The role in the, uh, it, the role of the set in Come From Away is a very minimal set. I don't know if you've seen it, but I have a picture here for you. There's not much on the stage. Uh, it's just a few chairs and just, just the characters and their story. And there's a reason that it's a minimal set. They, they want the, the, the character and their, the story and their lives to, to be highlighted. That's what it's all about, that the, the, the people, who they are, would, would be on stage and have center stage, and you'd be focused on that and their story. In the same way, how can our fellowship keep a focus on what matters most. I think sometimes we, we come into church and it's too much about me. What can I get out of it? How can we keep the focus of Jesus at the front of it all? How can we keep the focus of who Jesus is and his mission at the center of it all? The story of what God is doing. So many times... The story gets lost because the set gets in the way. Our lives get in the way. Us making it all about ourselves get in the way. You know, there's a sense that even seeking after community can get in the way. If it's just about you and, and who you know and your friendships that you're building, it's got to be about the mission of Jesus first and foremost. And community needs to serve the mission of Jesus. May we be people who see fellowship through a biblical, missional lens. And may it change the lives of others and ourselves. I want to 
ask a few questions. So I want to invite you to take a posture of prayer today as I ask these questions. Can you think of specific examples of how your commitment to the people in the church has influenced your relationship with Jesus? Just let the Lord speak and maybe speak to you about some specific examples of how your commitment to people in the church has influenced your relationship with Jesus. Secondly, not so much a question, but an instruction. I want to give you a moment to confess any ways you have found yourself being self-centered and causing harm to fellow believers. Take a moment just to confess any ways that you have been self-centered and caused harm to fellow believers. Next question, in what ways has Jesus' example of sacrificial love on the cross shaped your interactions then with fellow believers? How have you been loving like he has loved? And finally, what steps can you take to align your life with Christ-centered, mission-focused, fellowship. What steps can you take to align your life with Christ-centered, mission-focused fellowship? God, I pray that we would be a people that seek community. We seek koinonia with one another. But I pray that that, that time that we come together, whether it be on a Sunday or in a small group or coffee with a friend. God, I pray that it, it wouldn't just be about that particular space. God, I pray that you would be on the move in such a way that, that we are coming together. We are gathering together on Sundays, small groups, over coffee, because we want to see the, the mission of Jesus explode. We want to see people's lives change. We want to see people come to faith in the gospel. Father, may our fellowship be a missional fellowship where we are praying for one another, caring for one another, so that we continue to be everyday missionaries for you. I thank you for this opportunity to think about how you have loved us and how you have prayed for us and how you have stepped into our lives, wanting us to live for your mission, to live for you. Thank you that you've given us exactly what we needed. Father, you've given us, you give us the opportunity to have a restored relationship through Jesus. Father, you've given us the Holy Spirit so that we can minister in power. And you've given us one another. You've given us one another so that we can be for each other as we live on mission for you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. I pray all of this in his name. Amen.